I I enjoyed the Terry's sermon sermonette rather. I thought he was going to take all the scriptures, but he couldn't. Not the way I write scriptures down. But it it shows me that God is really here. He's he had Terry thinking in the same lines that I was thinking in, and uh, it's God that does it. You know how quickly time flies. It seems that only yesterday, my wife and I were preparing to leave in 10 days to uh, go to South Africa. And now we have the choice of being able to be here this year. So time really, really speeds by. And, and you wonder what happened. And there's a lot of things that's happened this past year, haven't they? A lot of things have occurred over the year. I was listening to some of the minor prophet tapes, and I remember... It might have been in more than one. I remember Darrell making a comment to uh, Church of the Great God that uh, that God was breaking it up. God was going to turn everything upside down. He wasn't going to leave one stone unturned. And throughout this year, we've also seen that happen, haven't we? We've seen people come and go. And for what reason? Because they don't agree with one another. But it is interesting that that these things have happened, and it happened over this past year. Jesus Christ made a comment, if you remember. He said, will I find faith when I come? And a lot of people have seemingly lost faith. So will Christ find faith when he comes? In Revelation 20, verse or 3, rather, verse 20, speaking to the Laodicean church, he says, I'm knocking at the door. All you have to do is open it up and say, invite me in and I'll teach you. But too many of the, too much of the church is sitting out here not wanting Christ to come in. They just have said this is the comfort zone I'm sitting in. Uh, why should I make a change? I mean, I'm comfortable. The ministry tells me that as long as I'm here, I'll go to a place of safety. But will it? So Christ, again, I emphasize, Christ said, will he find faith? Will he really find faith? We had, what, five sermons now on healing and faith, and they, they're interlocked, you know. Healing is done by faith. So, again, does Christ, is he going to find faith? In 1 Corinthians 1.27 tells us that we see our calling. And I ask the question, have we really looked into the calling that we have? We really spent the time to see the calling that we have. We're called, brethren, to be the bride of Christ. Do we really grasp that all the way? Do we understand that there are things going to happen in the future? And we're going to be a part of it. And that's something that I think Daryl brought out in a couple sermons. Uh, it's not going to be easy. Are we ready? He even made a mention in the, in the uh, sermons on health. God could bring you right down to that very moment of death. Do you have that faith? I can remember a very well-loved brother I had um, in the church. We were, we were like brothers. We were, our families were together all the time. In the moment he died, he believed God would heal him. He was 35 years old. So, 
God's going to put these things in front of us. Do we really grasp that as our calling? I mean, do we really realize that? I mean, I talked to one of my daughters. That, um, her husband's grandmother was at the point of death. And she told them, she says, I've had a good life. You live your life to the full. And that's something that we're going to have to learn to do, is live our life to a fool. So are we ready? Have we been listening to what God has been teaching us this past year, the past five years, I guess now, or going on five years? Have we really been listening to what God's been saying to us? Let's go to Leviticus 23. Leviticus 23. Since this is the Feast of Trumpets, one of God's holy days, Leviticus 23, verse 1, And God spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say unto them, Concerning the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. Well, I had Isaiah 1, 11 through 16. Terry already read that. Let's go to Amos 5. We're going to come back here. Amos chapter 5. Because these are God's feasts, and yet the church doesn't recognize when God's feasts are. Amos 5, verse 21. God says, I hate, I despise your feast days, and I will not smell your solemn assemblies. Now that's pretty drastic for a loving father and a loving husband to say, I hate your days. It should make us stand up and take notice. What are we doing wrong? If God hates them, and he don't even want to smell our solemn assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your meal offerings, I will not accept them, neither will I regard peace offerings of your uh, fat beasts. So that's pretty drastic for our Father to say, hey, I hate your feast. Makes you wonder, maybe we better find out what are God's feasts and how to keep his feast days, I think. Joe, uh, Jeremiah 7. Jeremiah 7, one more in this area. You know, Terry aptly pointed out. The church, the church in itself doesn't realize they're not recognizing they're keeping the wrong days. I thought it was interesting that Jesse pointed out something about uh, just this morning about keeping how back in the days of Christ they were actually keeping and speaking of the Jewish days. And it was interesting what Jesse pointed out. And I thought it was great for us to recognize in this light that mankind keeps the wrong days. Jeremiah 7, verse 21. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, put your burnt offerings into the sacrifice and eat flesh. For I speak not unto your fathers, nor commanded them in the days that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices. You say, look, I didn't, that wasn't in the original intent. But because they rebelled, he had to put that in there. But this thing command I them, saying, Obey my voice, 
and I will be your God, and you shall be my people, and walk in all the ways that I have commanded you, that you may be well, may be well with you. Isn't that a tremendous promise? If we would only do and follow God in the way he's telling us to go. A tremendous promise. All we have to do is obey his voice. But when the voice goes out, there are those that don't want to obey because it's not in my uh, tradition. I didn't do it this way. Mr. Armstrong didn't show us these things. So why should I do it now? So a tremendous promise is offered to us if we will just go out and obey God's voice and listen and follow what he commands us. Go back again to Jeremiah 20, I mean Leviticus 23. Leviticus 23, verse 3. And God says, which we already know, he said, these are my feast days and my holy convocations. And that means that we should really try to find out which are his days? And then do the best we can as he opens our understanding to do them. Verse 3, six days shall work be done. So he's given mankind six days to do whatever they want to do. Their work. Six days shall work be, uh, shall work be done. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of, a, of rest and holy convocation. You shall do no work therein. It is a Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. And yet mankind has said, first day is the day we won't keep. They totally turn their back toward God. If they go through with their new calendar, you know, the emphasis there is to hide the Sabbath completely. What if they had an eight-day week or a nine-day week? It would be really tough to remember which is the seventh. We would have to count it. We would have to remember and then there would be trouble and difficulty. But mankind, following the direction of the power of the prince of the power of the air, is going to do whatever he can to keep us from keeping God's holy days. Verse 4, these are the feasts of the Lord. Again, emphasize, this day, trumpets, is a feast of God. It is his feast days. Even holy convocations which you proclaim in their seasons. And so the church has got the seasons off sometimes. Last, was it a year, two years ago? They were a whole month off. They kept it in the summer. They kept the Feast of Tabernacles in the summer. Which is not a wrong season because they are not willing to obey God's voice. And on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Under the Lord, seven days you must eat unleavened bread. And we've learned this year, did we not, that there's only seven days of unleavened bread, not eight. Not eight days, seven days. We've also were instructed by God that Passover is the first day of unleavened bread. It is also a night to be much observed. And we've been observing it much for an hour, for years, but this year we finally got to open our understanding. And yet, there are still people, as I brought out earlier, who have walked away because it didn't fit their comfort zone. So God goes down and goes through all the different feast days and comes down to 
the feast of the, of the first of the seventh month. That is today. Today is the feast of trumpets. It has a definite meaning. I want to end with that meaning. Something that it just struck me this morning. Something different, and we'll get to it later. But this is the feast of trumpets. God's feast days. We've learned this, as I just pointed out. There are still there are things that we were doing wrong, and now we're beginning to do them right. And I think as we begin to follow God's direction, just as we were shown there in Jeremiah, and as Terry pointed out there in Isaiah 11, that God will bless us when we obey, when we walk the walk and talk the talk. But we haven't learned everything yet. We can't shut our mind down and say, okay, we've learned about Passover now, and we, we learned about the calendar, and uh, so we're, we're fine. No, there are many other things. We were also told last year that the Day of Atonement represents the marriage to the Lamb. And yet there are people that look down on it. I mean, hey, what do you mean? That's not what we learned in the past. But it sure seems to be there in the Scriptures. And since this is purified seven times, we better listen to what's said here, because this is God's Word. So there's still more to learn. We've, we're beginning to learn more and more about the new moon, aren't we? We still don't know everything. There's still something we're missing. And God's going to reveal it as long as we begin to do those things, as long as we obey Him and follow the things He's given to us. So I ask, how long? How long would it be before mankind, and specifically the church, is going to learn to obey God and follow his directions? When will it stop? When will the splitting finally come to a conclusion? When will we ever learn? There was a song about that. When will you ever learn? When will we be willing to get down on our knees and say, Yes, Lord. That's what it's going to take. If, uh, if we're going to be that bride, we're going to have to say, yes, Lord. We, we were shown that we should eat good food. We should get away from the junk and the, um, and the impure foods if we're going to stay healthy physically. And if we're going to stay healthy spiritually, we've got to stay away from the unclean spiritual foods, the things that want to lead you astray here or there or yonder. We just have to change, make the change. Well, this is the Feast of Trumpets. It has a specific meaning. So, let's go to Numbers chapter 10. Numbers chapter 10. What are the trumpets? Numbers chapter 10. We're going to begin in verse 1. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Make you two trumpets of silver, of a whole piece shall you make them, and you shall that you may uh, use them for the calling of the assembly and for the journey of the camp. Now, isn't it interesting that God specifically states to make two trumpets and to make them out of silver? Now, silver is not as gray as gold, but it's sure better than brass, isn't it? It's harder than gold. It's valuable. And so here he's saying, make you two trumpets. Two trumpets. 
for the calling of an assembly and for the journey of the camp. And when they shall blow with them, all the assembly shall assemble themselves to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And if they blow but with one trumpet, then the princes, which are the heads of thousands of Israel, shall gather themselves to you. One trumpet blown, and then the princes, those important people, those that are in the leadership, are to be called. Then, And when you blow an alarm, then the camp that lies on the east part shall go forward. And when you blow an alarm the second time, then shall the camp lie on the south side, shall take their journey. They shall blow an alarm for their journey. But when the congregation is to be gathered together, you shall blow, but you shall not sound an alarm. So there's different types of blowing. There's different things. You know, you think of some of the Western movies when the cavalry got going down there, they blowed the charge, and they had that certain one there. When I was in the service, we had a bugle blow, a horn blow, it said, get out of bed at 5 o'clock in the morning. I don't care how tired you were, you got out of bed. And at 10 o'clock at night, do another one. Say it's time to go to bed. So there are different values and different meanings behind the different blowing of the horns. And here he said, if they blow it, uh, but you sh- and not an alarm, and the sons of Aaron, the priests, shall blow with the trumpets, and they shall be for you for an ordinance forever throughout your generations. And if you go to war in your land against your enemy that opposes you, then you shall blow an alarm with the trumpets, and you shall be... And notice this. It's important here to notice this. And you shall be remembered before before the Lord your God, and you shall be saved from your enemies. So one important value of blowing that trumpet is that God remembers who you are. He will remember you, particularly. And so if you're keeping the Feast of Trumpets on the Feast of Trumpets, will God remember you? Will he begin to bless us? I think he will. I think it's an important area to think about and to realize. Who are the trumpets? You know, here's a question. How about Ezekiel? Could you look at him as maybe a a trumpet in his day and time and for today? Did Ezekiel tell us what's going to happen in the future? Is he warning us of coming events? Is he blowing a, a trumpet saying, you better turn, you better make rain? How about Isaiah? Isaiah sounded many things. I mean, it's a tremendous book. Daryl's gone through several of the chapters, and you just sit there amazed at what God is telling us in that that book. Tremendous. How about Daniel? Oh, there's another one. He was a trumpet. He sounded. He tells us what's coming in the future. Moses. Stephen, 
Stephen sounded the trumpet and they killed him for it. He told them exactly what the nation did when the two witnesses come and tell the church and the nation what they're doing, what's going to happen to them? Same thing it did to Stephen. They're going to kill him. They're going to kill both of them. How about Paul? Was he a trumpet? Let's take a quick look at just some of the things that say about Paul. We're just going to skip through just the first few verses. Start in Romans chapter 1. Notice about Paul. Romans chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by the prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which he made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Paul saying here, I'm here to preach to you. I was made a preacher to do this specifically. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul called to be an apostle of the Lord of Jesus Christ through the will of God. He didn't appoint himself, did he? He was called to be a prophet of God through the will of, of God to unto the church of God which is in Corinth to them that are sanctified in Jesus Christ called to be saints with all that in every place called upon in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. He's called to preach to us. His word is here. Can we take any part of the writing of Paul and throw it away? No. Can't do that. God appointed him for that position. Chapter uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 1. Again, it says, Paul, apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God, which is in Corinth, with all saints which are in all Acacia. So here, Paul is saying, hey, I have this job. I have to tell you what's going down, what's going to happen in the future. Galatians chapter 1. Maybe we get the picture that Paul, Galatians 1.1, Paul, an apostle, not of men, said, hey, I'm not an apostle made here by men. I didn't put myself in this position. Neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him up from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me to the church of Galatia. So throughout Paul's writings, Paul emphasizes that I'm here to preach not because I chose to do that. We know Paul had, was a strong personality. He originally went out to destroy the church of God. But because of his personality, because of his ability, because of that God could look into his heart and see what was in his heart, God changed him. And he changed he repented of the things he was doing, and he turned around. So we can see that, I'm pointing out here, that a trumpet, one trumpet, could be any person that God chooses. It doesn't have to be a silver trumpet. A silver trumpet indicated something special, something honorable. 
And the one that God's using, or the ones, the two trumpets that God will use, are special. They are silver trumpets in God's hands. We know that, as we read back there in Numbers, it says, for the calling of assembly. Go to Psalms 81. Psalm 81. Psalm 81. The trumpet will blast and it will call an assembly. Verse 1, sing aloud unto our God, uh, unto God our strength. Make a joyful noise unto the God of Jacob. So we have song services and we're singing aloud. And every day of our life we need to say, sing unto our God. Making a joyful noise to our God. Take a psalm and bring hither the timbrel and the pleasant heart with the psaltery. Blow up the trumpet in the new moon, in the time appointed on our solemn feast day. So this day, talking about here, to blow the trumpet, to have the trumpet speak out and show us the things that God is for us and for the future, for mankind. For this was a statute for Israel and a law for the God of Jacob. This he ordained in Joseph for a testimony. And when he went out through the land of Egypt where I heard a language that I understood not. So speaking of, of us, we're in Egypt. We live not only in Babylon, but we live in Egypt too. A strange language is out there all the time in front of us. I remove your shoulders from the burden. And, and that's something too to think about. God brought us into his knowledge and he's relieved the burden of the world off our shoulders if we're willing to see that that's what he's doing. He's taken that burden off of our shoulders. His hands were delivered from the pots. You call in trouble, and I delivered you. Are we calling God in our trouble? Did we not call God when we were in trouble in whirlwind? And has he not delivered us? I think he has. I think he's given us that opportunity. He delivered us out of that problems that were there. I answered you in the secret places of thunder. I proved you by the waters of Myra. Hear, O my people, and I will testify unto you, O Israel, if you will hearken to me. Again, pointing out, same thing in Isaiah and Jeremiah. If you will hearken unto God, he will help you. He will prove you. There shall no strange God be in you, neither shall you worship any strange God. We had a whole sermon or a series of sermons, I guess, on having strange gods and how many things we make in place of God. How many things we, we look into our life and did we look into our life? Did we sit down and say, hey, this could be a God and it could be anything. Husband, wife, children, job, car, boat, plane. Uh, anything could be replacing God. 
He says, I am Pan. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. Isn't that not basically what he was saying to Revelation, in to the uh, Laodiceans in chapter 3, verse 20? I'm knocking at the door. Open up to me, and I'll feed you. But why is the church not willing to open up and let God feed them? But they're not. He's telling us, open up your mind, have an open mind, and I'll feed you. But my people would not hear um, to my voice or hearken unto my voice. And Israel would none of me. The church doesn't want God. So I gave them up to their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsel. And that's happening throughout the church today. They walked in their own counsel. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me, and Israel had walked in my ways. I should soon have subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries. Would that not have happened in the worldwide church of God if we just turned to God? That's all we had to do is just turn around and go to Him and trust Him. The haters of, of the Lord should have submitted themselves to him, but their time should have endured forever. He should have fed them also with the finest of the wheat and with honey out of the rocks should I have satisfied you. If we would just open our understanding, our minds and our hearts to Christ, to the Father, he's going to feed us and he's going to give us the good things. You know, milk and honey... Maybe we look at the physical milk and the physical honey, but those are only symbols of what God wants to feed us. And we have had milk and we've had honey this year, and we're going to continue to get more milk and honey if we will just open our hearts and our minds to Christ and turn our thoughts and listen to him. Joel chapter 1. Joel 1, verse 14. Sanctify you a feast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land unto the house of the Lord your God and cry unto the Lord. Alas, for the day that, for the day of the Lord is at hand and as destruction from the Almighty it shall come. So today, the Feast of Trumpets, God's called a solemn assembly. He's blowing his trumpet. He's gathering his people together. And what are we being told? Trouble is on the horizon. I remember years and years ago, back in the 60s, a um, young minister came from Pasadena, or came, I guess he was Pasadena, and he talked about a timeline. Talked about a timeline. He said, if you went across this room, this is mankind. And at that time, we were about a foot from that wall. That was the start, and that was the finish. We were about a foot. Where do we stand today? That was 64. Or not 64, about 67 or 68, 1967 or 68. We must be almost 
on top of it. It's like that frog that goes to jump out of the out of the lake, and every time he leaped, he could go halfway. He could never go any farther than halfway. When did he get out? Well, we're so close to the end. If we just open our understanding and let God teach us, we will have an opportunity to grow. Chapter two, verse fifteen. Chapter two, fifteen. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sanctify a feast, fast, and call a solemn assembly. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and those that suck from the breast, and let the bridegroom go forth of his chambers and the bride out of her closet. We are so close. We are so very close to that time that is the return of Christ. This day is a solemn day, and God wants us to be a part of what he's doing. But who will call, or who's going to blow that trumpet? Who's going to be the trumpet blowing out there? Jeremiah chapter 6. Who's the trumpet? If we don't recognize the trumpet... And that's what we're going to go through now. See if we can recognize a trumpet. Because we don't recognize the trumpet. If we don't hear that blast, how will we be ready? How will we come together? We've got to hear and know the trumpet. Jeremiah 6, verse 17. Alas, I set watchmen over you, saying, Hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they say, We will not hearken. Now, God's setting watchmen up. And it's telling us, getting, Get prepared. But the church says, I'm not going to hear that watchman. I don't like him. He's got strange ideas. I mean, maybe they come from God, but they got strange ideas. They're not what I'm used to. It's not, it's not what I've been doing for year after year after year, and sometimes 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. We've always done it this way. And God says, I'm setting out a, a watchman who sees the trouble coming. It's imminent. It's here. But they don't want to hear it. They don't want to turn. Habakkuk. Chapter 2. I know it's in here someplace. There it is. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1, verses 1 through 4. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. So here God gave to this person, Habakkuk, a prophecy. He was a prophet. He wanted him to see something. O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out unto you in violence and you will not save. You know, how long am I... He sees these things. How long do I cry out and how long before you're going to intervene? Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievances. 
not spoiling and violence are before me, or for spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore, the law is slack, uh, slack, and judgment does never go forth. For the wicked do compass about the righteous. Therefore, wrong judgment proceeds. Habakkuk saw these things happening. The people didn't want to listen. They didn't want. You know, why don't they hear? How long is it going to go? How much more has to happen? How much more of the church has to split apart? How many more rocks are going to be turned upside down? Is it going to wind up like said, I think in the past year, that it would finally get down to where it would be four, five, six, seven hundred different congregations of one? Or maybe thousands of congregations of one? Because if you don't do it my way, then I don't want to be with you. Habakkuk seen that. He was, you know, he cried about it. It was hard for him to understand that. Isaiah chapter 40. I said earlier, Isaiah was a prophet. Isaiah was a prophet. Isaiah 40, verse 1. Comfort you, comfort you, my people, said the Lord. Speak you comfortable to Jerusalem or to the church, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. So there comes a time, he's saying, that all the sins that we've done have been accomplished. He's paid us double for what we've done. And now, he said, comfort you the people of the church, that her warfare be accomplished. Finally coming, speaking comfort, the voice of him that cries in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord, make straight the path, or make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Is there a voice going out right now that says, prepare you the way of the Lord? In 1979, Mr. Armstrong said, it is time to get the church prepared, to get the bride ready. Hasn't happened. Is it happening today? Is the trumpet going out saying, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight the path, or the, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. For every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places made plain. Are we not getting some of the crooked places straightened out? Are they not becoming more plain as we sit there with our minds open and saying, feed me? I think of that movie... Uh, about that robot, uh, he kept saying, more input, more input. That's all he could say is more input. Well, that's the way we have to be, just like that robot. More input. Just continue to feed me more that I can do what you have to offer me. More input. There is a voice out there. Isaiah was a voice. Isaiah 56. Isaiah 56, verse 9. Isaiah 56, 9. All the beasts of the field come to devour. Yes, all the beasts in the forest. His watchmen are blind. 
Oh, he's set watchmen in the church. He's set a lot of watchmen out there in the church, hasn't he? But here he's saying, but the watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark. Sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Well, I'll tell you what. You don't have time to slumber. If we're so close to the end of the timeline, and that is just a fraction of an inch inside this building, and for time-wise, do you have time to slumber? Why do the watchmen slumber and sleep? Because he calls them dumb dogs. Yet, they are greedy dogs which can never have enough, and they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own ways, everyone for his gain for, uh, from his quarters. They look to their own things. They're not looking in this book and asking God, teach me, lead me. And yet God sends and has a watchman or two watchmen. Now he's got two trumpets. He's got two trumpets someplace. And they're telling you it's time to change. Or at least one will be telling you it's time to change. Come you, say they. I will fetch wine and we will fill ourselves with strong drink and tomorrow shall be as this day and much more abundant. So take your leave. Sit down. Don't worry. We've got plenty of time. I've heard people say, we've got 20 years. Well, what happens if somebody has 20 years? Well, I can change. That friend of mine back in Houston said, well, I know when church is going to, you know, when things begin to happen, I don't know where the church is. We've got plenty of time. We've got plenty of time. Well, do we? Do we? Can we sit back? Or are we looking for where the watchman that God is sending for that trumpet that's blowing. Are we looking for that trumpet? Jeremiah 25. Do we know the trumpet? Will we know the trumpet? Will we recognize that trumpet when it starts speaking? Will the church recognize the trumpet? Well, unless they wake up, they're still slumbering and sleeping. And unless the watchmen that God put over the church are waking up and starting to see what God has to say. Well, the rest of the church is going to fall asleep and keep on sleeping. Jeremiah 25, verse 2. Be um, which Jeremiah the prophet spoke unto the people of Judah and to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, From the thirteenth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Amos, Ammon, king of Judah, even unto this day, that is, the three and twentieth year, the word of the Lord came unto me, and I spoke unto, unto you, rising early and speaking, but you have not hearkened. So here Jeremiah said, I got out here and spoke. I got up early and I spoke to you, but you never listened. And the Lord has sent unto you all his servants, the prophets. And notice he says about them, all the servants, the prophets, rising early and sending them, but you have not hearkened 
nor inclined your ear to hear. Are we going to hearken when we find the trumpet? Will we hearken to what's being said? That's interesting. Are we going to hear the trumpet? Will we recognize that trumpet? Ezekiel chapter 3. Ezekiel 3. Verse 1. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, eat you, or eat that you find, eat the scroll, and go speak unto the house of Israel. So here Ezekiel was told to eat the scroll. Well, the trumpet that God is sending is going to know this book. He's going to eat it, and that way he knows what's going to be in it. Eat the scroll and go and speak to the house of Israel, to the church. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat the, the, the roll. And he said unto me, Son of man, cause your belly to eat, and fill your bowels with the roll that I give you. Then did I eat it, in, and it was in my mouth as honey and sweet. And he said unto me, Son of man, go get you to the house of Israel. Go to the church and speak with my words unto them. For you are not sent to a people of a strange speech and of a hard language, but to the house of Israel. God is going to send a trumpet to the church, not to the world churches, not to the people that have no gods or have gods that are not gods, or whatever they want to call them. No, he's not going out here and speak to Ted Turner or any of those top rich people, to the president, he said, go to the house. Go to those people, to the church, and speak. For you are not sent to a people of strange speech, in verse 6, not to many people of a strange speech and of a hard language whose words you cannot understand. Surely... Had I sent you to them, they would have hearkened unto you. Notice, if God sends that trumpeter to the world, they're going to hear, he said. But he's sending it to the church, isn't he? They'd heard. But the house of Israel will not hearken unto you, for they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel are infinite, and hard-headed. <laughs> Isn't that fitting us today in the church? He sends the trumpet out, but we're so hard-headed, we don't want to take and say, yes, Lord. So very hard-headed. This day is the day of trumpets. This day, God is going to send trumpets. That's what it pictures, sending a trumpet to the church. Behold, I have made your face strong against their face. So this person is going to have a pretty stout understanding of God's Word. This person will live God's way of life all the way. And his face will be as hard as flint when he comes against the church. They will not be able to find anything wrong in him. 
His head will be as strong as, and his face as strong as, the, as their face, and their forehead strong against their forehead. So, you know, he could butt heads with them, and they're going to lose. That's what's going to happen. As a stone harder than flint have I made your forehead, God says. As a stone harder than flint. And flint is pretty hard, you know. And yet that head of that trumpet will be so hard, it'll be harder than their flint heads. Uh, Fear them not, neither be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. Again, he's talking about the church is a very rebellious house. Sad place to be. I mean, what our Father thinks of the church today is, is sad. He's given us so much, and yet he looks on us as hard-headed, unwilling to change, rebellious people, because we will not listen. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, all my words I have I, that I speak unto you, receive in your heart and hear in your ears. So he's telling the trumpet that's going to speak, listen, hear them, grasp them, because I'm putting them in your heart, and go get you to them of the captivity unto the children of your people, and speak unto them and tell them, thus says the Lord God, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear. So it don't make any difference whether they're going to listen or not. That trumpet is going to go to the church, to the rebellious church. Chapter 33. Chapter 33. I guess I, I missed over something, but that's all right. I got a lot more material than I got time. Chapter 33, verse 1. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of your people, and say unto them, When I bring a sword into the land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast, a man, understand, of their coast, and set him for their watchman, one person. If they take a man and of the coast, give me a clue to look for, and set him as a watchman. If, when he sees the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people. He's got a commission. He must blow the horn and warn the people. Then whosoever hears the sound of the trumpet and takes warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. Again he's saying, if you tell them and they will not hear and they die, the blood is on their own head because I tell you to go and tell them. see. He heard the sound of the trumpet, and he took not warning. His blood shall be upon him, but he that takes warning shall deliver his soul. So again, if we're listening, if we're hearing, if we're finding that trumpet in you, it's required for you to look for that trumpet, then you'll be spared. 
But if the watchman, again, so here's telling the watchman, so I made you a watchman. If you see the sword come and you go and hide out someplace, get your two years of good stored up and go out in the woods so you can be hid out in the rocks. So, but if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, so he's got a commission to blow it, but he's gone off asleep someplace. He's gone off to protect himself. And the people be not warned, if the sword come and take the person from among them, uh, he is taken away in his iniquity, or his sins, because he's been hard-headed, but his blood will I require at the, at the watchman's hand. That's a bad place to be, to be required at the watchman's hand if he doesn't warn the people. God is going to send a watchman to warn the people. The first trumpet blown will be to call the princes, the captains of thousands, the leadership together. The first trumpet. Are we looking for that trumpet to be called? Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Verse 17. 16. But to do good and to communicate, uh, communicate, forget not. For such sacrifices God is well pleased. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. If they have to give an account of their saying, I blow the trumpet, but they didn't listen, it's grievous to the one blowing the trumpet. And, and the trumpet that's blown, doesn't want to take and look down and say, I told and I told them and I told them and I told them and I tell them more. And they don't want to listen. God calls them a rebellious house, doesn't he? Because they don't want to listen. They don't want to hear what God has to say to them. Pray for us, for we trust we have a good con uh, consciousness in all things willingly to be to live honestly, but I beseech you the rather to do this, that I may be restored to you uh, the sooner. So here Paul was saying he wanted to be back with the people sooner. The son is the trumpet. want to be restored. He wants to restore the church. He wants to restore the church back to Christ. And that's his important job that he's been given. go back to Isaiah again, 52. Probably should have stayed there. I'll get exercise going through the Scriptures. Isaiah 52, verse 1. Isaiah 52, we start in verse 1. It says, Awake, awake. I read this the other day. Awake, awake. Put on your strength, O Zion or church. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For hitherfore there shall no more come to you 
the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake yourself from the dust. Arise and sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose yourself from the bands of your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. You know, I'm going to send somebody out here, God is saying. And shake yourself. Wake up. Get awake. You know, don't keep sleeping. It's time to get up. Get the dust off your shoes. You know, we can actually say that out here in, in Cambridge. You just have to come out the door <laughs> and you got dust on your shoes. But there are spiritual dusts on our shoes that maybe we don't get off. Maybe we still carry that dust around with us. Little particles of this or that or something else. It says, shake it off. For thus says the Lord, you have sold yourself for nothing, and you shall be redeemed without money. For thus says the Lord God, my people went down aforetime into Egypt to sojourn there, and the Assyrian oppressed them without cause. Now, therefore, what have I here, said the Lord, that my people is taken away for nothing? They that rule over them make them to howl, says the Lord, and my name continually every day is blasphemed. We don't realize that we take God's name in vain consistently. We find different ways. You know, I did a sermon eight years ago about taking God's name in vain and all the euphemisms that we use in our speech that take God's name in vain. But you know, if we don't obey, if we don't walk, if we don't hear what's being said, then we're actually taking God's name in vain if we don't obey. We take God's name in vain by not doing what we're told to do. Therefore, my people shall know, therefore my people shall know my name. Therefore, they shall know in that day that I am He that does speak. Behold, it is I. Verse seven. How beautiful upon the mountain are the feet of Him that brings good tidings, that publishes peace, that brings good tidings of good and publishes salvation, that says unto the church, Your God reigns. That trumpet, when it blows, is going to tell us those things. And God says, that person, that watchman, and when two of them come on the scene, both of them, who are the silver trumpets, those people, their feet are beautiful upon the mountain when they bring good tidings, when they publish peace, which is going to be in the world tomorrow, that brings good tidings of good and publishes salvation, salvation to mankind, salvation to the church. Your watchmen shall lift up the voice with the voice together shall they sing, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again Zion, or bring the church back together. When both of the trumpets finally come on the scene, it's going to be a fantastic time. Are we looking, are we diligently looking for where that trumpet is? 
if we are looking for it, we will know when that trumpet blows. We really will know when that trumpet blows. Chapter 62. Chapter 62. Verse 6. I have set watchmen upon your walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day or night. You that make mention of the Lord, keep not silent. God is going to put the watchmen out there. He's going to have the trumpet blowing. And they're not going to be silent. And they're going to tell these things of peace, and a destruction. God is going to bring them to that point. Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah chapter 4, beginning verse 1. And the angel that spoke with me came again and walked with me as a man that is awakened out of his sleep. And he said unto me, What see you? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick of gold with bowls upon the top of it, and with seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top of it and two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl and the other upon the left side of it thereof. So I answered and spoke unto the angel that walked with me and saying, What are these, my Lord? And the angel that walked, uh, talked with me answered and said unto me, Know you not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and spoke unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So here we're told that what's occurring is done by the hand of God, not by man's hand, but by God's hand. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shouting, crying, grace, grace unto it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hand of Zerubbabel has laid the foundation of the house, and his hand shall also finish it, and you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you. For who has despised the day of small things? You know, God starts things small. He doesn't always start big. He started, remember, with Mr. Armstrong and Loma. And it took many years before it really blossomed into over 150,000 people. But it took many years. But he started small. For they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven that are the eyes of the Lord, which run to and fro throughout the whole earth. And then answered I and said unto him, What are these two olive trees upon the right hand of the candlestick and upon the left hand? And he answered, and said, answered again and said unto me, 
These be the two olive branches which brought the golden pipes empty, which threw the golden pipe empty, the gold out of uh, oil unto them. And he answered me and said, Know you not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he said, then he, and then said he, These are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. These two olive trees, and I've likened them back to the two trumpets, to the two silver trumpets. These are the ones that stand by Christ of the whole earth. Back in Revelation chapter 11, verses 3 and 4. Revelation 11, 3 and 4. We've gone through this many times already. 11, chapter 11, verses 3 and 4. And I will give power unto my two witnesses. So here he proves that the two olive trees are the two witnesses. And I will give to the unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. These, he says, these are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the Lord of the earth. And I'm also saying that those two olive trees are also the trumpets that are going to blow. Those are the ones that are going to sound the alarm. And what will they say? What are they going to say? We've covered a little bit of that right now. But Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58, verse 1. says, Cry aloud and spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. What are they going to say? Church, you have to turn around. You have to repent. You have to follow every word of God or you will not be blessed. Remember the promise given to us in Isaiah, in Jeremiah, and throughout the Scriptures, if we will only walk the walk and talk the talk, we will reap blessings. We're waiting to see the people healed. I can look out here and see many people that would love to be healed. But God says we've got to make a change. The trumpet is going to tell the people to turn from their transgressions. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinances of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice they take delight in approaching to God, but they don't listen. They're not listening to what's being said. And God is very you know, saddening to say he looks at the church as a rebellious, hard-headed bunch of people that are not willing to make a change. And he wants us to change. Jeremiah chapter 4. He expects us to change. He wants us to change. We don't want a bunch of hard-headed, rebellious, stiff-necked people. You know, you think all how many times through the journey of Israel, he called them stiff-necked, rebellious people. How many times did he say that about the church? How many times did Mr. Armstrong get up there and 
beat on the podium and say, you just don't get it. And we sat back there and said, I get it. I understand. And keep going the same way. Because we didn't get it. Jeremiah 4, verse 19. My bowels, my bowels. I am pained at the very heart. My heart makes a noise in me. I cannot hold my peace because you have heard, oh my soul, the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war. That trumpet is sounding and will sound in a sound of alarm, of a war coming. Disaster. Remember what Ezekiel said. If the watchman cry and you say, okay, and continue doing the same thing and don't make a change, you're going to die, but your blood will be on yourself. There's a sound of a war going to be made, of a war going to be made. Destruction upon destruction is cried. For the whole land is spoiled. Suddenly we are, uh, suddenly are my tents spoiled and my curtains in a moment. How long shall I see the standard and hear the sound of the trumpet? Again I say, how long will the church hear the trumpet and not change. How long do we have a head of flint and a heart of stone? God wants to put his laws in a heart of flesh, in one that's yielding and willing to do what God wants. But we have a heart of stone, a head of stone, a head of flint. For my people is foolish. They have not known me. They are silly, Foolish children is what he's saying. Silly, foolish children. And they have none understanding. They are wise to do evil. Oh, they've got no understanding to do evil. They're wise to do evil. But to do good, they have no knowledge. They just don't have the knowledge to do what's good. This is what the witnesses, what the trumpet will blow. This is what the trumpet will say. I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void in the heavens, and they had no light. I beheld the mountains, and lo, they trembled, and all the hills moved lightly. I beheld, and lo, there was no man, and all the birds of the heavens were fed. I beheld, and lo, the fruitful place was a wilderness, and all the cities were uh, thereof were broken down at the presence of the Lord and by his fierce anger. For thus says the Lord, the whole land shall be desolate. This is what the trumpet's going to speak of. Can we grasp the fact that the nation we live in is going to be in shambles? Our cities will be broken down. We only got a tiny glimpse of what happens when two major buildings collapse in New York. Can we imagine the whole city collapsing? Houston, Dallas, St. George, Las Vegas. Yet will I not make a full end? For thus says 
For for this shall the earth mourn, and the heavens above be black, because I have spoken it. I have proposed it, and will not repent, neither will I turn back from it. God says, it's going to happen, I'm not going to change. Mankind doesn't want to change, I'm not going to change. I'm going to keep going the same way. The whole city shall flee for the noise of the horsemen and the bowmen. They shall go into the thickets and climb upon the rocks. Every city shall be forsaken and not a man dwell therein. And when you are spoiled, what will you do? When this happens, what are you going to do? Though you, uh, uh, though you clothe yourself with crimson, though you deck yourself with ornaments of gold, though you rent your face with paint, in vain shall you make yourself fair. Your lovers will despise you. They will seek your life. For I have heard a voice as of a woman in travail and the anguish of her that is bringing forth her first child, the voice of the daughter of Zion that bewails her, that spreads her hands, saying, Woe is me now, for my soul is weaned because of murderers. The church is going to be desiccated, desecrated. Nothing left unless we turn and come to our Creator. This is sad to think. This is predicted. God's not going to turn around. He's going to send a trumpet. He's going to say, turn. But will we listen? Will we hear what is being told to us? Well, I can see I ain't got enough time. I still got two pages. <laughs> Who will listen? Who will listen? Will the church listen? Am I ready to hear? Is my my mind open to this? Am I making the changes in my life? Who's going to listen? Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Who's going to listen? Who's going to turn around? Who's going to say, I want to make a change? Mark 4, verse 11. And he said unto them, Unto you is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. Who's going to listen? Unto us, to those that God has called right here, He's opening our understanding. To the world, they're not hearing it. Most of the church isn't listening. They're hearing parables. But they don't understand what they mean. So who's going to hear? Who's going to listen? Matthew 11. Matthew 11. 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because that you have hid these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them unto babes. Who's going to hear? The babes. 
Who's going to hear the trumpet? What is a child? You know, a little child, you know, their mind is so receptive to everything you pour out to them. They're really ready to teach. Teach me, you know, again like that robot. Feed me more information. A child is that way. A little babe is that way. Feed me. Even so, Father, for so it seems good in your sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man the Son but the Father, neither knows any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. We know God, we know Christ, because Christ has revealed himself to us. So are we listening? He's revealing it. Are we listening? Do we want to listen? Are we hearing what God has to say? 1 John chapter 5. 1 John 5, verse 1. Whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loves him, that begot, loves him also that is begotten of him. Again, of course, John wrote about love. He was so filled with that love. So if we love Christ, he says, we'll love those that are begotten of him. By this, we know that we, we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. There is the ones that is listening. If we love God and, and we are become spirit begotten of God and in His sight, you are His children. You are as good as being in the, in the family. You will overcome this world. The trumpet will tell you, overcome the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So we must have faith. If we have the faith, we will hear. We will listen. We will grasp. We will understand. And we will know what God has given to us. Chapter 4, verse 1. Verse one. Chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out unto the world. Again, we're told by Paul, he said, prove all things. How do you prove it? You prove your car by trying it out. You prove God's Word by trying it out. Is it here? Are you doing it on your knees? Are you listening? Are you, doing, are you willing to say, okay, I'm going to go that way and try and see? Hereby know you the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. The church must listen and look and see where the message is. And know, and you'll know, <clears throat> you really understand, you'll really know 
that it is the trumpet of God because of what he's preaching. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than that is in the world. Satan's in the world. Christ is in us. We have, as Mr. Armstrong said, we read the end of the story. We win. Satan loses. But God's not in a battle with Satan. Satan's in a battle with Christ. Christ already knows the answers. He's already got it sealed. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world. And the world hears them. We are of God. He that knows God hears us. We that he is not of God hears not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So we're able to determine what's right and wrong because we will have studied it, we will hear it, we will know it, and when the trumpet blows, hey, that's the trumpet of God. That's where I want to be. That's what I'm going to change. Beloved, let us love one another for the love of God is every, and every one that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves uh, not knows not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Are we being told that? We must walk and talk and live the way Christ is. No matter what happened, you know, it's interesting, I think I pointed out last year, if you were God today, how would you respond? So we can't be God today because we still have too much human humanality in us, humanistic things. We're still human beings. We still, as a human being, would take the next person out if we could. So consequently, if we had the power that Christ had, we would, somebody cut us off. I seen a movie not too long ago. A woman cut a man off. Didn't mean to. He was bent on killing her. If you were God, is that way you'd respond? Well, we will never be God until we live and walk like God. And we must listen for the trumpet. And the trumpet will tell us how to live. Herein is the love of God. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the perpetuation for our sins or pay the penalty for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. That's the way we should live. The trumpet has been or will be teaching and telling us those things time and time and time again. We are called to be a part of the family of God. The trumpet is going to sound. It's going to tell us those things. Hebrews 12. Who will a trumpet speak to? Hebrews 12. This we've heard over and over and over again. 12.22 But you are come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly, when the trumpet blows, it's going to call a general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God be 
the judge of all and to the spirits of just men made perfect. The church will be the general assembly. It will be when the two trumpets blow, the church will come together. That's the general assembly. That's the time we're looking forward to in the future. When that trumpet blows, it's going to call the single trumpet. When it blows, it's going to call an assembly. One trumpet, remember, will blow and call an assembly of the leadership. It will call the base core of people that's going to be there to help and to establish the general assembly. So when one trumpet blows, are we ready to hear? Are we ready to come and assemble to that trumpet? Today requires is a day of trumpets. It's a trumpet blowing, a single trumpet being blown, calling a general assembly. And you know, it's interesting, I was thinking today, this morning, I told my wife, I never thought of it this way. Trumpets represents the calling, the both trumpets, of the general assembly. It represents the general assembly calling. Look at Matthew 25. Matthew 25. When both trumpets blow, it will be called a general assembly. Verse 1, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. And they, were, they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their lamp, their vessels with them. So the wise people are hearing the trumpet and they're putting the oil in the lamp. And while the bridegroom prevailed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom comes. Go you out to meet him. The general assembly is blown. It's time to come together to meet the bridegroom. Part of those people had no oil. Part of them fell off and fell short. The Feast of Trumpets represents a general calling of a general assembly, and it will be blown by two witnesses or the two silver trumpets. And the next thing that's going to occur then is what? Atonement. Atonement is the marriage of Christ. So you gather the bride together, you wake them up and gather them together, and then you're ready for the marriage. So today is a, a trumpet blowing, calling the leadership. The next will be both trumpets, calling a general assembly. So are you ready? Is your ears open? Is your mind open? Is your heart open? Are you really looking for the silver trumpet to be blown?